Welcome back to the show. Here we are. Yeah, we have uh, another guest this week. Special guest, I'd say. Yeah, I think uh, our only guest to appear three times. Maybe, yeah. Actually, probably the only guest to appear two times, right? Uh, uh, no, Keith from 2-Bit was on twice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? No, wait a second. He was, uh, was he on twice? No. He was on twice. This is my third time. Yeah, yeah. Keith was on twice. He was on once with the three of us ah. when Deadwood was still around. And then once after. He was there on a green screen episode. Oh. <laughs> which uh, this is the green screen. <laughs> oh, God. So I, I don't even know if we said who's here. It's John Peters. Yeah, welcome, John Peters. Yeah, we just um, shot an addendum. Well, not even an addendum. The, I guess the final part of a video that we started, what, two, three months ago? Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was like maybe the final week that you were in the old shop. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, yeah, mid-December. Um, but before we get into anything, let's thank our sponsor, Hayfla. Hayfla offers a wide range of products and solutions for the woodworking and furniture making industries from hinges and drawer slides to connectors and dowels, sandpaper, wood glue, shop carts, and everything in between. Exclusive product lines such as Lux LED lighting and Slido door hardware ensure that every project you create is built to last. Learn more at Hayfla.com. Uh, which is we, back up in yeah, front. I was going to ask you, can we go to Hayfla.com? Yes. Um, I don't think you can order yet, uh, but you can look at the catalog for sure. And uh, yeah, hopefully it's back up and running soon. So Hayfla had a big data breach, not a data breach. They had like a ransomware attack oh, in Germany and their terrible. headquarters. Yeah. So they shut everything down for a couple of weeks. Well, Hayfla, is that how you say it? Yeah. Uh, now, are you... Only using their hardware now? You're not using Bloom any longer? Um, Actually, we were talking today with the hinges. We might switch back to Bloom for the hinges. All right. We just, uh, I don't know. We're having we're having some weird issues with the hardware. I think it's just a lack of experience probably. Um, but, like, you know, we know how to use the Bloom hinges, so I got no problem just going back. Sure, sure. To use them. Now, can a homeowner or some of the hobbyists use, go to Hayflow as well? Um, or is that mainly for big commercial operations like yourself? You may need like an EIN. Okay. Um, but I'm not positive. I don't remember, you know, you have to fill out an application to get an account. Um, but I don't remember if they ask you for an EIN. Um, there's a lot of Hayflow resellers online that you can access though, you know, where they sell Hayflow products, but it's, uh, like, um, I think like build.com, you know, you can find some stuff on there. So cool. Yeah. I don't use that much hardware. It's funny. I sometimes I do and then a lot of times I don't. Yeah. But again, I'm I'm usually making just a few pieces a year and they're one offs. Yeah. It's a it, like this thing that I'm building now is taking me the table. Probably, yeah, it's taking me probably four <laughs> to six weeks. It's just because I'm working on other things and you, <laughs> you gotta know. film and document it all. Well, th yeah. and that's the thing. I've got so much editing to do and I started to look at the footage yesterday. I'm like, okay, I can, I can do this. And, and Brian Benham, uh, he does the designs for me or the, he makes the plans. So what I do is I, uh, I do very rudimentary drawings and then I make videos for him with holding my tape measure and, and he's really talented. So that's a, a nice way to communicate with somebody. And the thing too is Brian is such a, a, a good woodworker and seasoned woodworker that he, you know, we have the same vocabulary. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm trying to explain something mm -hmm. to him. He he gets it, you know, probably before I even say it. 
Yeah, and he could probably fill in any little blank, you know, any, anywhere there was, where there's a blank of information, he could fill it in. Yeah, he does a great job. He's, he's awesome. So That's like, uh, I do some drawings for Wild Willie. Yeah. And um, he'll send me like a napkin sketch, and I'm like, I have to make a lot of assumptions a lot of times. <laughs> but, you know, luckily, same thing. It's like we're both woodworkers, so, you know, we I understand what he doesn't, what information he doesn't put in there. If you need him to, it prob probably would be pretty easy for him to just send like a very condensed video message. So what I do mm -hmm. is I, I shoot everything with my phone and then just edit it on my iPhone and put it on an unlisted link and send Brian the link. Hmm. So the last project, I think it was like a four and a half minute video. And then today uh, I had to make a change because I decided to cut the braces. I feel like with this piece I'm pushing pushing what the table can do a little bit <laughs> because it's a trestle, trestle table. Mm -hmm. And so the main trestles are uh, the main legs, let's call them are seven and a half at their widest and six and a half at when you know, they taper down, they've got a two and a half inch deep lap joint into eight yeah. quarter. I've been watching. Okay. So then I've got that inch and a quarter dowel. Mm -hmm. And then, then there's like a seven and a half inch trestle that goes over it yeah and the table is 36 inches it was 40 i decided 36 would be better so i cut the braces down from 35 to 32 that was like a change i just made this morning i kind of woke up i'm like i don't know that's good so like seven o'clock this morning i'm out there <laughs> cross-cutting the, the braces a little bit um but i don't know and then i am going to use the lag yeah. so i'll go through the trestle and into the leg probably six or eight inches, but that's still a lot of force. Don't you think like a cantilever yeah. kind of force? Yeah. Yeah. I think it all, you know, will transfer back down to the let, you know, to the bottom trestle. You have like a, the, a mirrored there's, kind of thing. No, no, there's no? no trestle in the bottom. So I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about like, just if you take any, like a crowbar and you just, yeah. you're way out here and you put a lot of weight on it. Will it eventually? So you think if somebody leans on the edge of the table? I don't think so, but just that's just me yeah. being paranoid about like last minute things. So you have a dowel connecting the vertical to the trestle part? Is that what you said? No, so the, the trestle will fit into the legs with a two and a half inch deep lap joint on the leg, on the top of the leg, and a four inch lap joint on the trestle. And then... There's a there's an inch and a quarter dowel that goes through the leg just under the lap joint, so I'm not lagging into end grain. I'll oh, hit yeah, that yeah, cross yeah. grain hmm. and and get some more pulling power. So there's a question I was going to ask you guys uh, about glue. So gluing the tabletop up. Sometimes I really like to use Thixo because it gives me so much working time. I, I mean, have you ever used it? I never did. No, you gave us some, and then we just, we had never found a, a use for it. So I've had no problem with with it, uh, with anything coming apart, and I've mm -hmm. built outdoor tables. The working time, you have hours of working time, probably mm. like two, easily two hours. Uh, but then the following day, it is cured because it's, um, it's totable commercial here, <laughs> um, because it's, it's thickened, it doesn't spill all over the place. Yeah. So underneath it, you'll just see like little waves and you can cut them off. I, I like to cut them off with a flush cut bit in the router and 
kind of cut them off that way. What about like where, you know, like when you get some on the surface of the table, you know, like does yeah. it, you have to like really sand it down so that the finish doesn't look so different? So I don't like with wood glue, I'll, uh, I'll wipe it off with a wet rag generally. Yeah. And this is quarter sawn white oak. So it does have a deep grain in areas. I, I'm not going to, if I use the thick saw, I'm not going to wipe it off. I'll let it dry. And then I'll use a flush cut bit in the router and, and just kind of plane it off with that. Now you can get a little bit of tear out, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's going to tear out that epoxy and it might tear out some of the wood grain. I did have that with the Sapili tabletop I built this summer, but I was able to get rid of it with the sanding. So I'm just thinking, okay, so that's the one question. What about what type bond would you use? Two or three for a tabletop glue up? I like three for everything. You do? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll, I, I'll, I'll put a caveat on that. I like using one, like when we're building banquettes and stuff like that, stuff that's going to be upholstered that's just like, you know, where you're moving fast, just like nailing crap together kind of thing. <laughs> it makes it sound. I hope, I hope Jim's not listening. <laughs> He's like, man, these guys, these guys get paid what? fastening the banquette carcasses um, together. You know, because there's a lot of vertical gluing on that where you're putting glue on ribs and then stapling plywood to it. So, so with the three, if you put glue up here... You turn around, it's it's all the way down at the bottom. Yeah, you know, it it's dripping off of everything. Okay, so yeah. the one is nice because it's thick. Okay. And it kind of, you know, uh, has more of like a gap filling property. So, you know, you're building a lot of things out of plywood, you know, these ribbed backs with and, and like sheeting it basically. You know, if one of those ribs is a little bit off or something, you know, it, it'll fill that, that gap a little better. So then... Um so then for two, you just don't use it? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, two, one, they're kind of a similar okay. viscosity. But the one is white, right? Uh, no, it's yellow. No, yeah. Oh, it is yellow? Yeah. Okay. It's actually, I feel like it's a little more yellow than two, right? Yeah. Yeah, two seems almost beige. I mean, three seems almost beige yep. to me. Three is, yeah, like a light brown almost. Yes. I find three harder to clean up with water than two. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's waterproof. They call yeah. it. I think there's a little controversy on that, where some people will say they don't use water because it's just going to smear it into the grain. Yeah, I tend to scrape it off. You do? Yeah, I I tend to to use water a lot actually, and in the tight spots, I'll use like a little artist brush and get into the like, especially with a lap joint. Mm -hmm. um, but I do like the idea of uh, letting clamping it up, let it skim over for about an hour. And then it's still kind of just kind of uh, skinned over. Yeah. And then you can get a nice with a sharp chisel. You can usually get that off. So I'll do yeah. both. But some people will say never. Use, and I just think that's kind of. Yeah. We do. I mean, yeah. I do it and it, I haven't had yeah. any I've issues. never had a problem. Um, we like to use like a, uh, I don't know what kind of scrape. It's like a paint scraper, you know, it has aggressive. like a little yeah. handle. Yeah. Um, the thing is, like you were saying with white oak, I don't like to let it. You can let it skin over, but if you wait too long, you end up tearing out a lot yeah. of grain. Yeah. Um, and then it's like you defeated the whole purpose. Yeah, you can't let it sit overnight. Yeah. Yeah, that's... or even like sometimes you go like like two hours, it's yeah. too long. Um, so then you're using the, the wet rag yeah. deal. And, you know, you want to just try and not get as much squeeze out, you know? Yeah. yeah. I used to only use one until I met Jeff. Really? Yeah. 
I feel like one has a working time of like two minutes. <laughs> it took me a not a long time, but it took me a while to get acclimated to three because it's so much thinner. When you did the the boxes, the thousand boxes, was that three? Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah, I feel like with one, it'd be real hard to get those joints together because yeah. it's so viscous. Oh, that, that brings me to another question then. It's all about me and my project here. <laughs> You're the guest. <laughs> they've, heard a, they've heard enough from us. <laughs> so um, I, I put something on Instagram where I show the leg is a two and a half inch tenon. So the tenon measures an inch and a half by five and a half inches. It's a five, it's a eight quarter leg. And so then it's going into a matching mortise. And um, uh, Bliss, Rob Bliss said, uh, he goes, I hope you're going to pin that. Or maybe he didn't say it like that. Maybe he said, uh, are you going to pin that like the shakers? But I don't know if I want to do that. Do you think I need to do that on a tenon that big? Uh, It's like one more thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, think about it. Strength-wise, the leg is 29 inches by three and a half inches wide by three inches. And then the, the mortise is two and a half inches. You think that the pins are actually going to add that much more strength? Uh, you know, the shakers knew what they were doing. <laughs> At least they say they did. They, when, when they were inventing the circular saw. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, no. <laughs> I, I was just wondering because I'm, I'm thinking like, um, I'll probably have to turn those pins. I don't mm -hmm. know where I'm going to get white oak pins. You have yeah. one of those, um, what do you call the thing? Where, oh, yeah. Metal where you drive it through. Yeah. I could turn a pin pretty easily, though, on that yeah. little, I got that little lathe, the same thing you guys yeah. have. Um, um, it is one of those things, I guess, you know, like uh, repeated, like racking of the table yeah. or something, yeah. the pin will help. Probably. Well, if I'm going to use a pin, I'm going to do two, I would think. Yeah, it'll yeah. keep the, you know, it'll keep it from pulling out if the glue ever fails. Okay. And but, there, you know, you got to think, you know, you can't build everything to last 250 years. You know what I mean? Like 100 years, it has to be good enough sometimes. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, <laughs> I was just thinking that I'm just because I really respect Rob as a, a furniture builder. And a lot of times I just need like the extra kick in the ass to do the extra step. Like mm -hmm. it's funny. Oh, yeah. I, I put a, a slight um, curb at the bottom of the trestle. Yeah. And I was like, I just didn't feel like doing it because I knew that it meant that I had to make a pattern and then use the, you know, and then cut it with the bandsaw and then the flush cut bit. But and once sand I did it, it, yeah, and then sand it and all that <laughs> stuff. But it's one of those things that makes all the difference, you know, it's those yeah. little things. And even, you know, now, now, especially after talking to you guys, I'm going to do the pins. And I know that in the end, I'll be happy to see those pins there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't know if I'm going to go all the way through, though. Maybe I'll only go. I was going to say, yeah, if you don't want to see them, just do them from the inside and yeah. don't go, just go, you know. Like a half inch shy. Yeah. Yeah. And then just uh, type on, type on uh, three. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't, too, don't put too much glue in there. So I have a big gap. Yep. All right. So that's my next thing. Yeah. You get I the best thinking. of both worlds. Put a couple of drywall screws and, yeah. just, <laughs> and put a plug over it. Six inch drywall screw. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Ed Johns, <laughs> the king of the drywall screw. Oh man! Yeah, that was like the the shop table that I made today. You know, I had all these thoughts of shaping those trestles with you know longer tapers, and it's like 
I just got to get this done. You know, it's, it's, I don't need to impress anybody with this shop table. It um, looks nice though. I, yeah, just those little, little 45s you put on the end yep. make a difference. Yeah. I had to do something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they came, it came together pretty quick. That could have been a, a big YouTube project. Yeah. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a <laughs> that, lot. Then it would have taken three days. That's right. Yeah. Now my, my angle now is just, I uh, do a couple reels at the beginning of the month, cash in my reels bonus. And then I'm How out. did you do in reels this month? Um, uh, not bad. I mean, you know, the bonus is like you, you get up to a hundred dollars and it just stops. Like, you know, you have to get a lot of views, like, like in the millions to get, to get anything more than that, you know? So here's my real story. Last month, I did something like cutting a window out with a router. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yes. And I, you know, <laughs> I probably would always use a, a Sawzall from now on, but I just wanted to do that. Anyway, it blew up. It's like 27 million views. And that combined with some other things turned out to be like $2,700 nice. on Instagram Reels. I thought, mm -hmm. oh, that's cool. And that's a motivator to like, hey, let's make some Reels. You oh, know? yeah. To do something controversial. Yeah, well, that's the thing. So, so uh, I get really, that hate rolling. That's right. When you get the hate rolling, you know it's yeah. it's good. So then I did a, a video of um, this bike rack I made, yes. and it got forty million views. Wow! And um, I actually deleted it because I I just deleted it today because I put up something similar. But I delete I deleted it because this month that video forty million views and a couple others only equaled $170. Huh. So I'm like, there's what? no rhyme or reason to this. And so the, the time that, that that router video was blowing up, I would check my bonuses like twice a day and it would just go up in increments. And I was like, wow, this is great. And then the same thing here, the, the video is just blowing up and, uh, you know, tons of comments, nasty comments, and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. And it just that thick skin. <laughs> didn't move. It didn't move at all. So Jeez. I put up something similar today because I've got a a YouTube shorts video that's blowing up. Uh, right now it's at like 19 million or something. Oh, is that with the bike rack? Yeah. What was the thing about the, the <laughs> time and the air out? Yeah, so the funny thing is like – so. This is an e-mountain bike. For anybody who doesn't know, mm -hmm. Jeff and Rob know, I uh, I bought an e-mountain bike. Now, it's pedal assist, meaning it doesn't have a throttle, and it's only going to assist you to 19 miles an hour. It's a Class A or Class 1 bike. But they're heavy because it's got a Bosch motor in it, and it's got a big battery in it, and uh, it's 56 pounds. And so the idea of lifting it onto any kind of rack is, like, not great. Yeah. Even lifting it into the back of the truck is like, wow, this is awkward and heavy. So um, I'd been thinking about a rack for a while, and it just hit me. Like, if I could make, like, a friction fit on the front tire, then that would be a great way to hold it. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, okay, well, what happens if the tire goes flat? So then I drilled a hole in it and put a little pin in there. And then I thought, okay, this is, this is definitely going to work. So when I put the original video up on YouTube, with, up on Instagram with just, like, a quarter-inch dial just to test it yeah that's the video that blew up that didn't pay out for whatever reason and a few comments were or a lot of comments were like uh what do you need that stick for and all this sort of stuff or what happens if the tire goes flat so then i made a little bit nicer of a rack with a half inch dowel 
and I made a video and put it on YouTube that didn't really do anything until just a couple of days ago. And the you see the the bike get put into the rack, and it's a friction fit, and then I put in the dowel, and then I let the air out. And I, it's just, there's hundreds and hundreds of comments. And a lot of them are really like, you know, WTF, <laughs> why, do you, why are you letting the air out of the tire? Um, w- great idea. Now you got to inflate the tire every time you go for a ride. Just all these sort of things. You were yeah. doing it to de- demonstrate that it would hold it if the tire went flat. Yeah. And so that, the demonstration and that combined with the title of Bike Rack, What Happens If the Tire Goes Flat? would lead me to believe that somebody might read that before they wrote. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some of these people will write a paragraph. And uh, I'm like, holy cow, like, imagine having the time to write I'm out it. of touch. Oh, yeah. Like, because, you know, everything you're talking about, I've seen. And I know you. And we're friends. And I'm still not motivated to, like, write something. Like, what the hell is that? Yeah, it's crazy. It's just, I just watch it and enjoy it. And it, I, I don't get the whole... It's it's great getting comments though because that way you know people yeah. and you just have to be like you just have to laugh at it. Yeah. You know, so most of my responses on the on the the nice comments are a heart. Mm-hmm. Are, yeah. And then the most of the usually I try not to respond to the nasty comments. Um but if I do it's just sort of that emoji with the guy with his hand over his face because that's yeah. usually <laughs> my go to emoji when something's just stupid. Well, yeah, because you know me, you you get my comments. They're they're one word max. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Sweet, exactly. awesome, yeah, nice same. job. Yeah, just. Our buddy Chris uh, from Full Steam Design. I don't know if you met him at Maker Camp, um, but he gets he posts a lot of these you know purposely controversial kind of things, and a lot on Facebook too. You know, where he puts like a lawnmower blade on a grinder, like stuff like that. But then he posts a lot of like just like regular stuff and he gets all these people that like these, you know, I've been a contractor for 40 years. And if you showed up to my job site like that, I'd kick you off or, you know, yeah, like, dude, what is wrong with these people? Yeah, it's you're just touching a nerve. And I guess some of these people, maybe they're sitting in a waiting room or they're in a cubicle and, you know, that'll, you know, I don't know. I don't have the time. Uh, I try to leave, like, if I see something I like, I try to leave a nice yeah. comment. Uh, just because that's a nice thing to get. Like, especially if you if you put something up there that you're really kind of happy with or whatever. And, and somebody, especially somebody you respect, is like, mm-hmm. hey, that looks great. Yeah. So I try to do that as much as I can. But at the same time, I try not to go on Instagram. <laughs> as much. I, I try yeah. to go on mostly just to post. Because mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, I feel like these phones are kind of ruining everybody's lives to yeah. some extent. Yeah, it could get... When you get that screen report on Sunday, oh god! I'm like, how 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 was on my how was I on my phone that much? Yeah, I try to go on like around five o'clock in the morning, you know, and I scroll through and I see the five or six people that I follow, and you know, try and be supportive at that time. Sure. You know what I mean? But other than that, I just don't have the time to really interact with it. No, and it's it's a lot of time, and I I mean it's interesting to see what's happening with this whole generation. My my daughter's fourteen now; she doesn't watch Instagram at all. So she didn't have a phone until about a year ago. Well, um, but now she's like, you know, it's a full send on the phone because mm-hmm. they're all on the phone, they're all talking on the phone. So like, I gotta even be careful, like, you know, what I say in the house sometimes, 
because she could be on the phone with three people. You're going like, to end up on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, who are you talking to? And she's, so I know her friends, you know, just because yeah. I've driven them around. Yeah. So look, Olivia will be like, say hi to, you know, and I'm like, oh, Olivia, turn that phone off. You know? But she's a, but that's what it is. It's TikTok. Oh, yeah. So that's the thing now. TikTok, I'm hoping that they ban TikTok. Well. Because it just seems like, I mean, Instagram is basically TikTok now. So I don't know how much of a difference it'll make. But what is TikTok? So I mean, I only know it by name. It's like, you know, Reels, Instagram Reels. Mm -hmm. It's basically just that. But it's, okay. a, you know. It, but they invented it. It's they, a Chinese they, company and they're, you know, some, you know, nefarious characters behind they, it apparently. They data uh, mining and yeah. stuff like that. And I think there could be some controversy some here, though, because I think there there's an argument that that one of the big pushes to get rid of TikTok is really coming from the tech industry in Silicon Valley because they don't want... They want to make uh, a vacuum so they can they fill it with something else. They don't want the competition. Yeah. And that makes sense to me, too, mm -hmm. because, let's face it, TikTok is eating Instagram and Facebook's lunch, and I'm not on TikTok, but I should be on TikTok. From what I hear, everybody says, you should go on TikTok, whatever. It's one more thing. But... I think anybody under the age of 15 is probably on TikTok and not on Instagram or oh, yeah. Facebook. So if you're Instagram or Facebook, I would probably be lobbying to get TikTok banned. Yeah. What's the purpose of TikTok? The same thing. Same, it's just social yeah. media. It's just voyeurism. It's just looking at stuff. It's yeah. just endless. So I was listening to Steve Ramsey. He has a good podcast with, um, with Chad from, um, I forget Chad's channel, but he has a cleaning channel. Anyway, uh, they were, they were, the analogy with TikTok is if you go on TikTok and you spend half an hour there, you've watched a half an hour of TikTok. If you go on to YouTube, well, you might watch like 15 minutes of like a history channel. You might do a deep dive on some car. You, there's all these different things that you might do where you're actually uh, learning something and seeing something where with TikTok, it's just all a blur. Yeah. Which yeah. is very similar to Instagram. If you Instagram is also just, can just be a blur. Yeah. Instagram, you know, you sit there and it's a guy pulling the glue brush yeah. out of the glue and then some girl in a bikini dancing and then some a, a guy on a light pole gets electrocuted yeah. and then, you know, it's just a bunch of <laughs> bullshit. But if you go on YouTube, so I was watching, um, I was watching some kind of a, I was watching a, a documentary about Jamestown, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, um, you know, basically how this country was settled. Mm -hmm. So that was something. And then, so then I watched that and I thought, well, I should really watch more of this, <laughs> but then I went on TikTok. No, <laughs> no, but uh, but you can see how that's actually a learning thing, and that's. I think we live in this time where you can learn so much, but it's also there's so so many distractions distractions of things that are really not worth any time at all. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's like anything, you know. It's so like I I I scroll through reels, but I also I'm. I'm a YouTube guy. Like when I go home and like we put the son, my son to bed, like I put on YouTube, I don't put on TV and I watch all kinds of weird stuff. I watch a guy who yeah. eats crazy fruit. I watch, uh, oh, I was watching last night, these, uh, like police interrogation videos. So it's like, a they have like all of these like clinical psychologists and stuff. And they, they show the, uh, 
the police interrogation and they give like their takes on like, you know, the people who commit these heinous crimes, like, you know, what about how the interrogation is happening and that's pretty cool. Yeah, that yeah. there's so much fascinating I, things. I like YouTube too. I I like watch like Rick Beato. Oh yeah, he's great. Um and then it you know, on that sidebar it'll have the, like the suggestions. Mm -hmm. And Stuart Copeland's always been one of my favorite drummers. And so it popped up. And so now here's this, uh, it's not an interview. It's Stuart Copeland himself. Uh, what would you call Just it? Just making like, a video? Yeah. Talking about his history and everything like that. and Like a vlog. Right. And it's, so it's current day, you know, he's an older guy and he's, so he's reminiscing a little bit and he's talking about it now. He explained how his dad was a diplomat and he grew up in the Middle East. And this sense of timing and rhythm is just a common element of music from that region of the world. And it just made so much sense all of a sudden. It's like... Well, now that you're saying that, I mean, I, I can hear it. Yeah. You, you can hear that, that, that influence. Yeah, it was great. You know, that's the thing I like about YouTube. It's... Um, the, it, it does open up this whole world of like people like that, that are, you know, sort of like experts, if you call it that creating this, this first person narrative yeah. form of video. You're more likely to stumble upon something on YouTube. I feel like, um, whereas like Instagram, it only feeds you what it already knows that you <laughs> <Yeah>. like. <laughs> Right. Um, I noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> like, whereas YouTube, like, I know it does the same thing, but like sometimes the suggestions come out of left field. Yeah. Um, and it's not like Instagram will just keep pushing the same accounts. Whereas I think YouTube, they want you to, to watch more accounts. Um, yeah, I can see that. I can see that on, on that page that comes up. It's it's interesting to see what YouTube is doing with YouTube Shorts now because I do find myself going down rabbit holes with Shorts, which I never, up until about a month ago or so, I didn't do that. Uh, but so now YouTube is paying money. So this video, this one that's blown up now, is made like almost three hundred dollars. So you know it's interesting. It's just interesting. It's like gambling. It's mm -hmm. like oh I'll do this. It's it's gambling without any real um, negative side effects yeah as long right. as you don't invest too much time in making exactly. the video then but that's that's the funny thing like the the youtube shorts so if you look at youtube on your phone if you looked at shorts last that's what's going to come up on your phone at least in my phone hmm. and then you have to hit the home button to get back to like youtube because that's usually like my uh what my um uh, routine at lunch is to like take 10 minutes and eat lunch and watch something on, on YouTube. And I, I went into a binge on uh, the new Yankee workshop lately. Cause they oh, opened yeah. up, uh, I guess they bought, they imported all the old shows to yep. the channel. And, uh, it's cool to see Norm. Do oh all yeah. That. that was, that was how I learned how to do everything. Right. Like when I needed a router, my very first router, it's like, okay, I see Norm's got that router. If, well, if he can use it, then it's got to be good enough for me. Well, the funny thing is I was working, that was at like 85 maybe? Yeah. So I was working at a, a, a cabinet shop that made custom furniture. So the business changed. I did an interview with my old boss maybe five years ago, and he explained how the business changed. changed. So he was making a lot of custom furniture, uh, tables, 
end tables, banquet, all kinds of stuff, furniture, not cabinets. And within maybe the four years that I was working there, like into the 90s, because I kind of dabbled, I went in there and then I worked construction, went back. Um, it went to mostly built-ins and then into kitchens. And that's what he was doing the majority of. And it's funny because the built-ins would be gigantic, like 35 inches deep for these huge TVs. Oh, that yeah, are now. yeah, yeah. So you'd have a huge cabinet in the center that might be 35 inches deep and 60 inches wide. And then you'd have like these little offshoots that were pushed back a little bit. And that would give you the uh, ability to have nice crown molding details mm -hmm. and stuff. But my point with the new Yankee workshop is I was always impressed with norm. Yeah. But my boss I felt was as good easily as good and artistically better. Uh, just, that's how I felt. I mean, yeah. what he was making compared to what we were making in the shop was was probably geared down to to more of the homeowner. Yeah, you know? yeah. He was like the everyman's yeah. uh, woodworker. You know, but not to. And I no. would never take anything away from Norm. I'm just saying, like it's like anybody. So even even if you go back in YouTube ten years ago, you think, oh, this guy's a good woodworker. Or, or I used to think oh, I'm a good woodworker. And next thing you know, I'm like, holy cow, there's a lot of guys out there that are way better than me. Yes. And because, yeah. like I was saying to you guys, or you, Rob, I think before, I sort of feel my way through a project yeah. where I, I know for, just from following Jeff for years before, um, you know, before we really met, uh, I see Jeff as a mechanic, a creative mechanic, but I have so much respect for mechanics because for me, I can do it. I, I would never say I can do it like Jeff does, but I can do it. But it takes tremendous amount of discipline for me to do that. I really have to say to myself, do this today. You're an artist. I think that's what I love to do. If I could do anything, I would just paint yeah. and make, make art type things. Like I don't mind building stuff when it's kind of related to art because it's not as much. Um, but like with this table, all those, all those if you're going to make a, if you're going to make a decision that has to be cut into this piece of wood and shaped, it's not that you just go ahead and make this cut. Now you have to do whatever it takes, make the jigs, set up the saw, change the blade, all those. Think about steps. how it's going to affect every other step that you had already planned to do. So it's all discipline. Mm -hmm. It's like digging a hole. It's like, okay, you have to do this for it to work out. So when the, like, people will say, what's your favorite part of the job? For me, it's, like, delivering it. Collecting the final payment. <laughs> delivering it. And, and then and saying, you know, it worked. It worked. All these decisions worked, and I'm proud of that piece of furniture. And there's there's little triumphs throughout the day that you have. But um, I'm not like, oh, I can't wait to make this cut with the flush cut bit on the router. I'm, that's not me at all. I just do it because it has to get done. <laughs> I'm more like that. It's, I I like the beginning of the job most. You know, well, it's it, fresh. You know, you hit it with a full head of steam, yeah, and then you get yeah. into the. It's a reverse bell curve of yeah. enthusiasm. You know, in the beginning, you got all this enthusiasm, and then in the middle, you're like, I fucking hate this job. I move on to the next one, and then at the end, if I gotta you know, sand one more of the dowel. Yeah. you know, I'm gonna explode. And then, you know, in the middle, you run into all the problems that you didn't foresee, yeah. all the design issues that you didn't foresee. 
all the mistakes you, you made, made at the beginning start to catch up. up to you. And that's the funny thing. It's there's there's always mistakes. Always like something. Yeah, uh, th- those doors on the ca- on that big cabinet. I got a set hanging in the rack over there because I made these beautiful doors. But when I measured the um, for the, the rails, the, the, for the rails, I didn't subtract the half inch for the tenons. And so I'm laying these doors in like a proud papa. I'm like <laughs> what the hell? It's an inch. They're an inch too big. Oh, so and so you can say you know what? I like the way that this rail looks. A half inch smaller on this no, side. No, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, uh, put them up. But it, it was like, yeah, no, it's, it's, shit happens. And it's the funny thing, like, I've I've done things where I, I'm going to cut something, I'll bring that chop saw down, and I'll just stop for a second. And uh, sometimes I get lucky and I, I catch myself. And then sometimes <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the hell is I cut that yeah. for? Yeah. It's completely wrong. Yeah. Um. There's always mistakes, though. That's just how it is. Yeah, it can be. Uh, it can be gut wrenching. You know, I mean, so much work went into making those doors. I bet because they're big. It's not they're like big. that's a big cabinet. You know, they're like seven feet tall. They're bigger than. They're more than seven. I think they're eighty nine mm, inches. Or, or uh, no. oh no, the piece is eighty nine inches. No, it's ninety. Oh. It's ninety five. I think. Okay, I want to say that those. It's five inch rail at the bottom and. Two or three at the top. Yeah. Well, anyway, those doors are like seven feet tall. When are you delivering that? Um, if we can fit it, we'll take it with us on Monday. And does somebody give you a hand? Is there a crew there? Uh, there was last time we were there, so hopefully they'll be that back. That thing is heavy. I was going to say. It's real heavy. I was going to say. That. And it's not only is it, is it going upstairs. No, oh, no. No, it's going right inside the front door. Oh, nice. I don't okay. think the wallpaper will be done, um, so it'll probably have to... I, well, I have to talk to the PM and see if we should even bring it because the next trip we're going back is just that big one, the countertop. Okay. And that maple countertop. So that could, thing's going to be in the way when we, if we bring it on Monday, I'm sure. Yeah. Unless they have a room that's done and painted and they can stick it in there. Now, years ago, you used to have all your furniture picked up. Yeah. You don't do that anymore. You're delivering things. Yeah. Well, Tommy Mover stopped, uh, I think he stopped, stopped working moving. in New yeah. Jersey altogether, right? Yeah, we. I had a guy from early on because you know I worked by myself, so yeah. I it just was impractical to try and move everything. And he was called uh, Man with a Van, and I met him when he was literally just one guy with a van, and then he grew to this t- uh, size where he had like two or three helpers, and then finally. He didn't do any moving at all. He just sent his helpers, and they had these big trucks. And then doing a lot of interstate, like Jersey to Florida. He got into racing cars, and he wasn't around. Wow! So that was a good business. Yeah, yeah. He he was a real hustler too. I know a guy. He I know an art mover. I don't know if he's would move furniture, but I'll give you his number. Really nice guy. Really nice guy. Used to move art. He might. You might not want to move furniture because yeah. moving art is, you're not dealing with the weight. Yeah. And his truck was sort of set up. He worked with a lot of galleries in New York. We build them heavy too. Yeah. yeah. Like when Tommy did it, he wrapped everything completely That's in nice. blankets. And little by little, yeah, the, last the price time, was going up and the service was going down. Yeah. The confessionals were the last thing that they moved. Yeah. And, and they, they didn't, they just took them and put them in the truck. Jeez. Yeah. 
Jeez, that's that's you know, a little so, nerve wracking. Yeah. yeah. So that then Plus we, we got, have the van. It's like we got to go there anyway. So really, it's yeah. just put it in. You know. So. No, I was just curious because it is a big piece of furniture. Yeah. So I mean. Have you tried lifting it to two of you to move it? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it was like on its back when it got painted, and we stood it up. Um, those two uh, wall units in the office are gone too, so those are. Oh, are they getting more finish on them? Uh, no, they're finished. The okay. ends are un- they go wall to wall. Okay. Um, those there are two pieces right in the center. Yeah, those. Okay. Yeah. So those are two wall units, and then they get floating shelves above. You nice. know, there's a big fireplace in the center. That's a great client. We made that yeah fireplace around. We made on it's the. It's gonna be an amazing house. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's brand new in Bridgehampton. How? Oh, I have a friend out in Bridgehampton. What? Uh, what size house is that? Uh, what is it like? 3,500, 5,000 square feet maybe in that in that range. It, it looks very modest when you pull up. And it's, it, it's uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's modest, but it's very tasteful. It's not gaudy or overly done. Um, but you pull up and it looks very small from the front, but it really opens up when you get yeah. inside. Wow. 12-foot ceilings. Nice. Uh, great room has a cathedral ceiling which, with faux trusses. Um, it's nice. Nice so, big central stair that's open. Yeah, this like must, a switchback. This must be a client has a, a place in New York City and a place out in Hamptons. They actually, uh, I shouldn't give too much information, no, but they live yeah. down South Jersey oh, wow. in a beach town. Oh, nice. And uh, like raised their kids there and everything. And now their kids are old, you know, grown. They're out to the Hamptons. Good for them. Yeah. That's nice. I mean, I like South Jersey too, but the Hamptons are beautiful. I don't get out there. I've only been there a you know, a handful of times, but it is, it's like a different world. That was the first time I had ever been out there. It's nice. It's really nice. And the water out there is crystal clear. Really? Yeah, it's amazing. I did a couple of summers there. I went out with this girl's dad used to have this big house, like where you, the kind where, you, you know, you have your own beach and everything like that. Wow. It was, it was pretty spectacular. <laughs> well, that was where, um, that's where all the artists in the 50s, like, uh, well, that's where Pollock was. I think Pollock oh, died yeah. out there. <laughs> he ended up, um, you know, you know the story of Pollock, how he died? In- no, I remember <laughs> that movie with... Uh, Ed Harris. Yeah, Ed yeah. Harris. So here, the quick story with Jackson Pollock is uh, all these artists in the 50s, these abstract expressionists, they basically got paid through the Works Progress Association. That's how they kind of got started. And then a couple have got, got picked by Peggy Guggenheim and Pollock and de Kooning, anyway, a handful of them. So Pollock and his wife, Lee Kresner, moved out there. Now, Pollock was an alcoholic, a raging alcoholic. And he eventually pissed off his wife enough where uh, I think he, like, had a girlfriend, like, right in front of her and all <laughs> kinds of shit. Um, but anyway... Um, he ended up buying a, a big Cadillac when he got sold a couple of paintings and uh, his girlfriend came out and the girlfriend came with a friend who didn't really want to be there and they went to some party and then Pollock being like a mad drunk wanted to go somewhere else. The girlfriend said, let's go. The, the girlfriend's friend didn't want to go, but of course they all went and uh, a couple miles down the road, he went off the road and he was killed. And the friend was killed, but not the mm. girlfriend. Jeez. Mm. 
and there's a, a rock out there, you know, where he hit the rock or whatever. But you can go see his old studio. And so, like, I look at a lot of artists, and I think, oh, these guys are real assholes. Like, Pollock was just a total asshole. So was, um, so was uh, Pablo Picasso. I mean, if you look, read any history on Picasso, what a jerk he was. Um, yeah, it was. I was watching something on like Van Gogh, and he, I mean, he got like real wacky and did a lot of weird stuff. Well, Van Gogh died very early, so he. I don't. I don't have like a an anger towards Van Gogh like I do with. He got with, shot, right? He shot himself. He shot himself in the stomach. That well, that's Whoa. what he said. But the thing I was oh, watching it was like have. this whole story about how. He had this run-in with somebody, and I, I shouldn't say too much because I don't remember exactly. But yeah, he was like out in this field, and somebody accused him of something, and he but he didn't want it to become a thing, so he just said that he shot himself. You know, I have a foggy memory of hearing a similar story, but yeah. all my life I thought that he shot himself in the stomach until mm -hmm. like very recently. I heard something like that. I'm not sure where I heard that. It was like a YouTube thing that I was watching. Yeah, he was. Uh, he, I think he died. In his 30s or mid, yeah, his mid 30s, he sold one painting I think to his brother for like 80 bucks. His brother Theo was a uh, was a dealer, and he died shortly after him. Of a, you know, some people say it was a broken heart, I guess, but I think he also had uh, syphilis. A lot of people had syphilis <laughs> back then. Uh, That's the same thing. <laughs> but, uh, he um, he was a madman. He cut his ear off because he yeah. was hearing voices yeah. and. You know, but you know the funny thing is, you look at you look at a Van Gogh painting, and it's pretty amazing, yeah. right? And like art today, and I don't want to come down on art, but so much of it is just mass produced, and like one of the highest paid living artists of our time right now is Jeff Koons, who doesn't touch a brush or anything; everything is made. By assistance. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like a total sham, you know? Uh, you know, so they're saying, you know, there's a there's a big argument or uh, discussion at least that that art is created by the market. And it's basically like, let's say like we were all millionaires or whatever. Mm -hmm. We could go and find some artist and I could go and buy one of his paintings for like $50,000. And then Rob can go. And then I then like. Maybe a couple months later, I'd put it up for auction, and Rob would go and and buy it for two hundred thousand dollars. Now my collection is more. It's like the stock market, the pump yeah. and dump. You know, yeah. If if we have all this money and we start buying Dogecoin, well, Dogecoin the price goes up because yeah. we're all buying it. You know, people see, oh man, John, Jeff, and Rob are buying Dogecoin. We better get on this train, and then they start to buy it, and the price goes up, and then we just cut and run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't think that'll happen with with some of these big artists because there's so much money tied into it. So mm -hmm. that's like, um, there was, uh, Damien Hirst, you know, he did the, he's famous for uh, polka dot paintings and they're just polka dots that he doesn't paint. They sell for like, you know, millions and millions of How dollars. How does that I don't get it. Um, it's like, know, it's I could funny. come up with the concept of a painting, but I wouldn't call myself an artist unless I could actually create the painting myself. It's, it's a weird thing. Like, so I love design. So like the house that you're, you're talking about, I can imagine one of these polka dot paintings looking really cool in that house. But at the same time, you know, somebody else could make it, but the person who, you know, the, 
I think these types of paintings are just collected like trophies. Yeah. It's like, hey, you know, I've got, I've got this, you know, I've got this trophy. So this is, you know, you know, I've arrived, kind of thing. It's like the Chippendale thing. You know, Chippendale designed a lot of furniture, and he had a lot of people making furniture, but they still yeah. call it a Chippendale. They don't call yeah. it a, you know, it was John Smith who actually made it. Right, and all those books. You know, I mean, he ma made those patterns for people to, or not patterns, but he he created those those drawings for people to reproduce his work. But see, I, for furniture, I, it kind of makes sense because it's almost analogous to an architect, mm -hmm. right? So you're going to have the same respect. Like I have a lot of respect for Frank Lloyd Wright, even though his, a lot of his houses were structurally, <laughs> you know, yeah. but he was pushing the limit yeah. and he had a great eye. So yeah. he was invested in it where I think, I think that a lot of the art that is being, you know, some of this questionable art that I'm talking about is being conceived of on the internet, not on the internet, but on the computer through collage, through borrowing from photographs, through all kinds of stuff, right? And then, and then it's, you're getting craftsmen then to put it all together, like really high-end craftsmen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm never going to buy one of those paintings. I just have an opinion where like, if you, if you are looking at a Van Gogh, you know, you know, Van Gogh painted that. If you're looking at a Jeff Koons, you know, he probably never touched it or even knew that was made because there's factories, you know, there's just factories making his stuff. Well, I mean, didn't the, the classic artists have... Sure, but I still think that they were... So the classic artists, when you're, you're, you're going back into, like, what they... The Renaissance yeah, the, and... So I think that they did work with uh, assistance, but I don't think their hand was as far removed as it is today mm -hmm. because of technology. Yeah. You know, so so mm. some artists could argue the point that, well, I can do the work, so why do I have to do the work? And there's some truth to that. Mm. But at the same time, do you need to just produce and produce and produce just for the sake of creating more stuff to sell? Yeah, it waters down, you know, the whole optic of the whole thing, you know? Yeah, I don't know how it's going to shake out. I mean, as a young, when I was a young artist, the whole thing was <coughs> you go to, uh, you, you go and you make a body of work and you get photographs of your work on slides and you try to get it into a gallery. I would never advise a young artist to try to do that today. It sounds like a total waste of time. So, like, that's what they would say in school. They would say, okay, come up with a cohesive body of work photograph it and then go around and try to get into a gallery. That's like insane. Like who, first of all, it was like impossible to do back then. And today who even cares? You don't know somebody you're not getting in anyway. No, it's <laughs> it doesn't right. matter it's how good you know. paintings are. Reminds me of the music <laughs> business. So similar. All that. We used to come up with some demos and just, yeah, make, send out, mail out cassette tapes. But today, because, because of YouTube, you can actually do something and catch fire. Oh, yeah. Which is I mean, fascinating. There's no, so I think it's all going to change because you don't have the gatekeepers. The creative people don't have the gatekeepers that were around 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. Now, if you're creative, you just have to have the, the energy mm -hmm. and focus to do the work. Yeah. Which is pretty, pretty cool, I think. Yeah. I, sometimes I, uh, wonder what I would have been able to do had I had access to this sort of technology because not only 
do we have, um, as you say, the gatekeepers aren't there, but things cost so much money to, to create back yeah. then. I mean, it might as well have been a million dollars to try and create, you know, um, art or music that was presentable to, um, you know, to build up your repertoire, so to speak. Well, yeah, it's, it's exactly. It's like you can, if you can get traction, then, then all you need is your, 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 you know, your little groundswell and you mm -hmm. might not need anything else than that. Yeah. Especially if you look, you know how to merchandise it and, mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh, so it's, it makes me doubt the old system. You know, like, is this art that is, and when, when I say millions, I mean millions, like hundreds of millions of dollars for paintings that can, I don't know if the value is still there anymore. So it's, mm -hmm. it's interesting to me because uh, the, a lot of these paintings, the artist isn't really even touching. So I don't know how it'll shake out. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so you would think, okay, the music industry is going to get really exciting, right? But it is if you're tuned into it. Like my kids know a lot of good music and I learn about music from them. But what do we hear most about? Bad music. Yeah. Yeah. It's like mostly what you hear about is I don't, like Taylor Swift or something, which I don't even know if I could know one of her songs, but I know she's super popular. Yes, we it's know she's still, still homeless people. There's still... There's still doing? control. It's this, it's this, uh, I got this comment, and we've talked about it a couple yeah. times oh, on wait, the podcast. That's right. yeah. yeah, where, yeah, apparently she's in the Illuminati and she kills homeless people. Oh my God. Yeah. And she likes to watch other people kill homeless people. Wow. Well, no, that's how, that's how she was initiated. Oh. First, you got to watch somebody kill a homeless person, then you got to kill a homeless person. Yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to comment on any of this. <laughs> She's rich and powerful. <laughs> yeah, she's in the Illuminati, and of course. Illuminati. And then Matthew Serio, uh, he... Um, He's good. He was good. He sent in a question, because we've been doing these question episodes every, like, whatever, every, once a month. It was, uh, if if Taylor Swift had to kill a homeless person with a piece of shaker furniture, what would it be? Am I supposed to answer that? Well, yeah, I'm going to say... Um, well, I'm gonna. It doesn't have to be an entire piece of furniture, just a piece of a shaker, something shaker. I'm gonna say a rolling pin. I'm sure if shakers oh, have made rolling pins, yeah. that's a pretty good. We one. said like a turned leg, you know. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Candle table. Yeah, candlestick. A whole <laughs> candlestick table. <laughs> just a little. Uh, it went dark. That episode yeah. went pretty dark. <laughs> I had a question about your coffee because um, I'm interested in that. So what's your, what are you as into coffee as, oh, as yeah. Jeff? So let me hear your routine, then I'll hear Rob's routine, or vice versa. Um, so I I uh, I don't do it the best way, uh, just out of sheer convenience. But so I have a Technivore Mocha Master, which is like a, it's a drip coffee maker, but it's like probably the best drip coffee maker that you could buy. Um, they're made somewhere in like the Netherlands, you know, a single factory where they make all the parts and and uh, do everything there. So I grind the beans at night, um, you know, beforehand, put them in the thing, and then I have it on a... It doesn't have a timer because that's how, like, neurotic they are, where they're like, you shouldn't make the coffee the night before. How much coffee for how much water? Um, so I use a cup of beans, maybe, like, just slightly less than a cup. Um, and 
It's a, it's a 10 cup coffee maker, so it must be like 40 ounces. So just a cup of beans before they're ground. Before they're ground, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, a cup. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Where, it's where it's based on your like coffee? sixty grams or something per cup, something like that. Uh, I actually, I my wife buys the coffee at Aldi, and it's like single origin, fair trade, organic coffee. What town is that in? Uh, there's one in Hazlitt. There's one in West Long Branch. It's like a discount. It's like a Imagine Trader Joe's. Yep. It's it's like a, the same company, but it's like more basic. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, I know. Okay. It's like that, that blue place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's I've never been there. Like, it's got very interesting kind of architecture. Mm -hmm. I think Pathmark used yeah. to be there. Okay. Um, what the hell else is in that? The wine. There's like a wine store in there. Yeah, wine soup. It used to be across the street, and then they moved it to the other side of the highway. It's, so it's on 35 South, I guess. There's two, be. actually. I think there's one There's one further north that's down by the Lowe's. Uh, oh, yeah. that's Lidl. That's Lidl. Oh, okay. So that's very similar. It's okay. the same, same deal, basically. It's okay. just a different company. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good coffee, and it's really cheap. Because I drink so much coffee, like, it would be really expensive for How me. How do you drink it? Black. Okay. Um, I know, I know uh, Matt... Viz is the same way. Black. Yeah. If you're gonna drink it, you like. I like it. I like coffee with milk and sugar, but I I don't eat sugar, so like you know, and then milk. It's like it's just another thing I got to keep around. But I like it black. Um, but yeah, if I was to drink like Jersey Shore coffee roasters, like eighteen dollars a pound, fifteen dollars a pound, I've spent a lot of money on coffee. Yeah. So this stuff is like four bucks for a twelve ounce bag, which is oh, pretty nice. cheap. Yeah. yeah, that is inexpensive. What about you, Rob? Um, well, when I lived out in San Francisco, I started drinking Pete's coffee and you couldn't get it here. So I, for the past 24 years, I've had, a, uh, four pounds of Pete's delivered once a month, whole nice. beans. <laughs> now they sell in the supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So <laughs> a little bit of a, uh, a creature habit, I'll say. Also, the nostalgia, probably. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. it remind you of like probably being in San Francisco? Oh well, you know, I just like it, and every and then it is expensive because you know you have to pay the air freight, and it's it is like eighteen dollars a pound. You know, so my wife sometimes. Every now so and again, she would like, a month on coffee. I'm like, listen, I don't do anything. I don't, yeah. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't go out. I don't spend any money. This is my you one give me thing. $20 and ask me if I need money three weeks later, it's still in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I just want the coffee. <laughs> I think you, you, you have to treat yourself to certain things. It's still right? Mocha Java? Yeah. Because I know you were Mocha switching Java. it up a little bit. Yeah. The wife was like, you know. All right, you've been having drinking Arabian Mocha Java for like twenty years. You think we could have a different blend? And I said, "All right." So I picked out a couple others, and then she said, "You know, the Mocha Java is better." <laughs> yeah, my so. wife doesn't use my coffee maker because one time she had like some kind of flavor coffee. Oh. I had to put the kibosh on the whole thing. Oh, I'm like, yeah. "You're not putting that in my coffee maker." That's the worst, like a hazelnut or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't like any of that. No. So I grind it in the morning and then brew it. Um, but I like no sugar with cream. I love milk. I love cream. And coffee is almost an excuse for me to have cream. 
Yeah, that's not. I I am a milk and sugar. I do a little bit of sugar, but I I'm not even gonna tell you what I drink for coffee because it's embarrassing. <laughs> Maxwell <But> House. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> no, no way. Oh, you, that, no. Is, that, is that a joke? No. What kind of coffee oh, maker God. though? Oh, I got to everything like bad. a Mister Coffee. Every, yeah, it's, oh, it's yeah. all bad. Like Start Walter, with a good, Walter's good just, coffee maker. Yeah. Walter's like, you guys got to up your coffee game. Yeah, you know, Walter. Walter reminds me of Jeff because he's very into like tools, mm-hmm. what the brands are, and same thing with coffee. And you know, he's just yeah. uh, he's just he. I'm sure that he'll probably live at the house for a year or two just to save money up. But I bet he can't wait to like have his own house and just be like, okay, I'm doing things my own way. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, we gotta have him on. He <clears> was <throat> saying he's got to stop by. Yeah, he's going to. He's yeah. he's great. He's really enjoying it over there in Timber. It's uh, it's such a great job because there's so much variety. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, he's doing a lot of different things all the time, and I think uh, that's got to be really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It helps, you know, because there's always going to be mundane things that you have to do sure. and things that you don't want to do, but if if the projects are always changing, then it, it, you know, makes it easier because you don't have to do it all the time. Yeah. And I, it's nice because he's got, he's definitely has a mind, a mechanics mind and to get the opportunity to do the, you know, the work with the CNC and then also do the carpentry work or the, yeah. you know, the cabinet making work and then do some photography work. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, that's an exciting thing because I remember when I worked in a cabinet shop, it was great when you're changing jobs, but when you got on a gigantic job that was just going to be drawer after drawer and drawers, like, whoa, I know what I'm doing Monday through Friday. It's like the boxes, you know, we're getting ready to make 500 more boxes. That's exciting. Though. We tell you how fast they sold. I couldn't believe I watched your store. Yeah. You four, know, you know, it's so funny. Two minutes, 485 sold in the first two minutes. That's awesome. That's awesome. The funny thing is that video has done really well. Mm-hmm. I think it's like 350,000 views, which is well. a lot for me. And uh, I I, uh, I think a lot of people enjoyed the video, and I also did like a kind of a clickbaity title, like oh, yeah. $100,000 or yeah. something. And so one or two people were like, you know, just some yeah. snide comment for, uh, you know, $100 for a box, just whatever they said. Yeah. So the last comment would happened right around when you t- I saw in your store that they sold out. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody said something and it came up on my phone. I said, "Oh, you're too late. They just sold out." You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I'll respond to them, but <laughs> you know, usually I don't. But I was just like this guy. You know, it's funny because the first comment that comes out of my mouth is "f you," yeah, and then I don't ever say that. Yeah, people not. are like, who would who would spend a hundred dollars on a box? It's like, well, fifteen hundred people have so yeah. far. Yeah, <laughs> and no kid hungry, you know. Yeah, it's I mean, great. Been a, it's when we do the run in the fall, it'll be fifty thousand dollars that's been donated. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, I think probably as much as mundane as it may be of a job, it might be a really nice mental break to just sit back and be like, okay, yeah. this is what we're doing. I'm going to listen to a podcast or whatever and just go through the motions. Yeah. And it's an opportunity to try and, you know, refine a process. Sure. Um, that's, that's how is, I look at it too. Yeah. It's like, how, how do I get better mm-hmm. after doing a thousand? How do I get better now doing 500? Yeah. They, um, they turned out great. 
Yeah, I mean, we know all the little things that we want to fix and make better and everything like that. There was a couple, you know, people who had complaints about very unrealistic expectations as to what a wood box can even be like. You know what I mean? Like tolerances can only be so tight if you want this thing to open and close. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And the funny thing, $100 is not a lot of money. No. I mean, it's like, that's the funny thing. Like, There's two camps. There's... $100 $100 is a lot of money, and they're, like, out of their mind about it. And then there's the people like us who are like, that's nothing. Because we know what it takes to make, even with the laser, it takes yeah. Yeah. so much time. Yeah. That's why I would never, like, try to make a wooden spoon or a cutting board. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't think anybody's going to pay $500 for this wooden spoon. Yeah, <laughs> that's, what, that's what we say about the cutting board yeah. stuff. It's like all these people making them and selling them for decent amounts. But it takes so much time to make these things. It's a lot. What is it's a good it's a great use for cutoffs. I mean, that's a nice thing about it. And I'll make a cutting board like we get to the holidays, I'll make a few for friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh my problem is I like a really big cutting board. So like usually the cutoffs are too small. Yeah. <laughs> like I want like a twenty four minimum twenty four by what? Eighteen, twenty. Juice groove? Nah. You don't need one. I don't cut no. meat on wooden cutting boards. Uh, you wouldn't cut meat on it. I mean, no, I would avoid it. What are you going to cut meat on? A plastic cutting board. Okay. Yeah. So that brings me to my next question. You don't have to give me two, but one, two would be great, but uh, it could just be one. Go-to recipes. Something that's good. Because I know you guys are both food guys. Yeah. Something that's good. Something that's like, you know, three to five ingredients. Could be a pasta. You don't have to Mm. count the pasta for the ingredient. I'm going to be listening to this later and... Yeah, I find myself doing, like, appetizers a lot because, you know. Then do that. Like, you know, you cook at home and it's kind of just like. You got to get it done. Right, yeah. But, like, when you, like, go someplace. like uh, Give me one of the things that you got to get done. You know, the family's got to eat. Yeah. Um, But that you like, you you know, that Hunter likes and your hmm. wife likes. I don't know. You go first. What do you got? Um, You know what I like? Because I don't cook very often anymore. You know, my wife does all the cooking. She's not really a great cook or anything, but... (laughs) Did she listen to the podcast? No, but she knows that. She knows how to make like six things that I kind of helped her refine. You know, she she didn't really know how to like use utensils and pans and heat and everything like that. So, but I'm the kind of guy where I never complain. I'm happy because I tell her, listen... Comes to the table hot, you clean up, there's, you're never going to hear a peep from me. I'm completely thankful that I have a wife that does that. Sure. But every now and again, I like to, you know, cook. Um, something I really like a lot that I don't make is polenta. Um, you ever have polenta? Yeah. I, yeah. I like a creamy polenta. Um, and I like to top it with, uh, like a nice kind of strong cheese, like a you know. So you make the creamy polenta. It's in a in a pan. You throw it in the broiler with um like a strong cheese, like gorgonzola or something like that, crumbled on the top just to mm. melt it and brown it. And you know what else is good is like some sautéed like mushrooms, like you know a mixture oyster, shiitake, whatever you have, something like that, cut and sautéed sprinkled on the top. I like something like that. Nice. And it's easy. What what nationality would you consider that? That's Italian. It Polenta's Italian. Okay. Italian. Yeah, okay. 
Sounds good. <laughs> well, it's getting to be that time. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. Really? Yeah. I can't believe you're. Drawing I'm like, a blank. I'm super off the cuff. Jeff's always it's, cooking something. I know. Too. That's yeah, what I mean. it's I, like whatever's around. Because we're all restaurant guys. I made yeah. a I made a pork shoulder on Saturday. Yeah. Saturday, Sunday. Well, tell me yeah. about that then. Um, so that was just uh, honestly, it was just the pork shoulder. I seasoned it. You know, uh, garlic powder, onion powder, salt, pepper, paprika, mustard powder. Um, put it in. You know, covered it with foil in a in a pan. <clears throat> in a pan. I put it in the oven at 2.50. That was like 7 a.m. We left. We went to Brooklyn, picked up the dust collector. About 1.30, uh, got home. And I was surprised it was done. Like, literally, like, you press it with a fork and it's just, like, shreds. Wow. Yeah. So then I put um, some, like, a little bit of barbecue sauce in there, apple cider vinegar, and uh, some more uh, seasoning, you know, just to taste and shred it all up. That was good. And you eat it like a sandwich? Yeah, you, whatever. You could yeah. uh, put it in like a tortilla nice. or, yeah. On a, yeah, a tortilla sounds good. Yeah, like a pulled pork sandwich. Yep. If you're doing pulled pork, you're going to do coleslaw? I like coleslaw with yeah. it, yeah. Me too. I got two simple recipes. I don't have to look at my phone for them. Um, so the first one I learned from my friend Max in Aruba. My wife and I, before we had kids, like maybe six months before we now maybe a year before Jack was born, we went on a windsurfing trip to Aruba and I met my friend Max Nudie. I didn't know him at the time, but he turned out that he lived right up the road from us in New York mm. City. <laughs> and so after windsurfing, we'd hang out and drink pina coladas on the beach. It was awesome. You know, it's just like one of those, like oh, one of my only vacations I can remember. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, uh, we, um, the last night, we were staying in these little fishing huts. He came to our place, and it was just him, and it was my wife and I. And he went through our our uh, pantry or whatever we had, and he pulled out some bacon, like a half an onion, some garlic, some olive oil, and made a, a sauce. So it's just a half a pound of bacon, diced, and then you skim off maybe two tablespoons of the bacon fat, so you're not having all the fat, but you want some of the fat, of course. Throw in some olive oil, some uh, maybe five or six cloves of garlic sliced, the diced onion, and then uh, two cans or a can of diced tomatoes and a can of crushed tomatoes mm. and have that with linguine. So that's mm. really good. It's something that it's like a go-to for me if, if my, my wife's a really good cook, so if she's not around or if she's taking a break or whatever, I'll just make that. It's easy. Because, again, it's like four yeah. ingredients. It reminds it's almost me. like a matrinchana, no? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Except you use uh, pancetta. Yeah. So what is pancetta? Is that like a... Uh, it's an uh, Italian bacon. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's the bacon is kind of uh, a substitute for... Uh, what is that kind of ham that you put on sandwiches? Um I forget it's a popular... Prosciutto? Yeah. It's like kind of a substitute for prosciutto, yeah. I think. Yeah, pancetta is like, uh, like it's rolled, right? Yeah, it's got quite a nice ring of fat I in there. I think it's cured, but it's not smoked. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's not smoked. Yeah, that sounds, think... that sounds good. Yeah. So that's kind of probably uh, a substitute. Yeah. Because, and, and Max uh, is Italian. He could speak Italian. I'm still friends with him today. He's really So it's kind of funny. I met him in a Reuben... You know, it's one of the guys who I'll 
I'll talk to you once every year or two, but you kind of catch right up. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one, really simple, is Puntinesca. You probably wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But, you know the, you know what that's that. Yeah, the horse about. dinner, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah my dad <laughs> told <the> time. me that. <laughs> the horse dinner because she just takes whatever she's got in the, yeah. in, the in the cupboard and throws it together. So, I, I they call for uh, they call for uh, anchovies, mm-hmm. uh, but I usually don't have anchovies. Because it's just I just don't have them in the cupboard, but you can get away with just um, the garlic, the capers, the olive oil, and uh, some good olives. Yeah. What's the name of those olives? With Kalamata. Yeah. Yeah. Kalamata is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, That and then have that over penne, and then in that case I use diced tomatoes, not crushed tomatoes. So like it to be a little bit more. So those are two like real simple ones, and of course you've got all the lemon chickens. Those are easy jambota is a good one. That's easy. Yeah. You know, you take whatever you could do: sausage jambota, chicken jambota, thighs, legs. So let's whatever. hear it. I don't know what that is. Um, potatoes, peppers, onions, olive oil, garlic. So and your meat, it. So you mix I can it all to this and make it. Mix it all together. Put it in the oven. Cook it till it's done. <laughs> that's it. Chicken in the oven. Yeah, that's it. You know, you know the recipe. Chicken in the oven, right? No, that's that's for some reason that's what Italian American families call chicken with like lemon and garlic and like potatoes and then they, chicken in the oven. That's what my wife makes. That's great. I love that. It's funny though. That's a lot of chicken fat. Yeah. Yeah, they gotta I end up eating some of it, but uh you know, probably not supposed to. Oh, there's nothing yeah. like a nice chicken skin, nice yeah. crispy chicken skin. I know. Yeah, I'm the one like, like does some the chicken thighs. Chicken in the oven. Like when you get a chicken thigh with that crispy skin you you peel you could just peel that whole skin off like a potato chip. Now will you eat that? Oh yeah. But you seem like you're really tuned into what you're eating. Like I know that you're not eating sugar. Well, you're not, you don't eat carbohydrates, eat fat, right? No. Oh, so are you into that fat? What is that? The um, Keto. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For over five years now. Really? How does that work exactly? Um, so it's like, it's all based on ratios. It's supposed to be like 70% fat, 20% protein, 10% carbohydrates. Well, your carbohydrates have to come from like, you know. Green leafy vegetables can't be like flat, you know, wheat or anything like that. So I don't eat any no wheat, no beans, no uh, rice, no nothing like that. No sugar. Do you eat lunch here? Um, I'll have like some peanuts and stuff sometimes, but when I'm doing it the way that I really should, it's no breakfast, no lunch, just dinner. Wow. Yeah, I'm the opposite of keto. I eat like for. Like this morning, I had a croissant with my coffee. <laughs> then for lunch, I had uh, typically lunch is a can of soup. So, are you still on the soup diet? I'm on the soup diet. In fact, I got to go to the dentist in about 10 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I'm on the soup diet, then I'll go home. I'll have another can of soup, probably. Uh, but this time I'll mix in like macaroni, like orzo. But that's or, just because of the dentist. Eventually you're going to get off the yeah, soup. I'll dog. get my chop. Today he's going to check my gum, see if I'm ready to get a couple of choppers back. No pastina, though. Yeah, no pastina. <laughs> I want to know what happened to the pastina. I got rid of it. You know pastina? No. They're little, you don't know pastina? Tiny little stars. Oh, yeah, I know what yeah, those maybe are. Maybe like yeah. an eighth yeah. of an inch. Yeah, they, they, they got rid of them. Oh, really? Yeah. But they got rid of them like you can't buy them? Yeah. Wow. 
I wouldn't have bought them anyway. I don't know. I've never, I've only had them in like soups in a yeah. can or something. Oh, it's the, they call it Italian penicillin. Yeah. Really? Just with butter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, that's a good one back, actually. Back but in the old days yeah. when, uh, when your mother would make dinner and, you know, you had to eat it or else, you know, once in a while, if I whined loud enough, I would get what we call macaroni with butter or a little pastina. You know, they'd, they'd boil it up, throw a couple of pats of butter in there. and Salt and pepper. It's so good. It's yeah, so because good. it's so dense because, you know, there's less space between them. Sure. That you just get a spoonful of, like, <laughs> good solid pasta. Yeah. Who would who would make that? Was that, like, Barilla or somebody? Or? Uh, Ronzoni, Ronzoni, right? Yeah. And yeah. they just don't make it any longer. Yeah, they for some reason they stopped making it. Wow. Yeah. And I'll have, like, ice cream for dessert. Like, I'll almost always have ice cream dessert. I eat a lot, too. I have to... So I had probably a good, maybe a six-inch-long piece of bread, like, from a Italian baguette mm -hmm. and some juice for breakfast. I like to have, like, just, like, a half a cup, of, half a coffee cup of juice just to get yeah. some of that sugar. And then at lunch, it's, like, leftovers. But I eat a lot, like, two chicken cutlets and... Another like big piece of bread, and I'll, I eat and a lot of volume. I just don't eat the. But it's carbohydrates. when you sit down tonight, you'll eat a lot. But you haven't eaten anything yeah. yet today. Uh, I had some peanuts at lunch. I would be fading away. Yeah, I have, I actually have way more energy like this. See, maybe I would then. Maybe like if I you if I woke up and ate a piece of bread, I'd be done. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be done for the whole day. But it's funny. Like I, uh, I'll I'll. I'll say that to myself if I'm doing a major like yard project on a weekend, I'll make a, like a big Taylor ham sandwich and mm -hmm. just be like I'm fueling up. And oh yeah, I can't up. eat I can't eat too much at one time, otherwise I'll get real lethargic. I I kind of muscle through it like, and I'll say to, it's like a game I play with myself. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be really tired now for about 20 <laughs> minutes. But then I'm going to just, like, work through it. <laughs> yeah, I, I never overcome it. You know, I, I have to pace myself. Yeah. Now, yeah, now, like, if I eat uh, something I'm not supposed to eat, I'm, like, down for the count. Yeah. Yeah, you were saying that at the woodworking show. I was like, wow, that's... Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of discipline. That's impressive. So now, like, so since the new year, I've been on the straight and narrow. And then, so we're going on this fishing trip in April. And then, like, I'll let myself go for those couple days. But it'll be but that. But you don't drink either. Well, yeah, I'll drink then. But, like, and it's not that I don't drink. It's just that I just don't really drink, you know? Yeah. Like, like I don't go home and have a beer because the carbs and everything yeah. will mess with me anyway. But the alcohol, too. Like, I had a, um, it was like a White Claw vodka something, seltzer kind of thing that they make. And, like, the next day, like, I just felt terrible. I only had one. Hmm. I like to drink. <laughs> I like it too. I just don't like the. Uh, not a lot. I just like to have a like. I like to have a beer. Or I like to have yeah. a glass of wine. Yeah. I love beer. Like I love drinking beer. Well, that's how the show in the beginning of the show is the beer yeah. of the week. Yeah. Yeah. That, that that totally messed with the keto thing. Yeah. It was like well, just one beer on Fridays, and then you know the fallout is like multi day. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna have to sign off here, boys, because I got to go to the dentist. Yeah, so let's uh, we'll we'll close the show out. Um, so thanks for coming on. Oh, it's been a blast, man. Yeah. It's great catching up with you guys. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to have you on again. Yeah, definitely. I, I was hoping to get some really good recipes that I could. So next time, I want to hear like I'm gonna have to think of some. <laughs> you like lasagna? 
I do, but my wife makes a great lasagna. Does she make it with fried eggplant? No, now that All sounds right. awesome. So get that one. I want to hear that. That does sound good. I love fried eggplant. Oh, if oh, you yeah. love fried eggplant, then... Eggplant pizza? You ever have eggplant pizza? No. Oh, it's really good. I like just fried eggplant on a plate. Yeah. With some yeah. salt on it. Yeah. That's like good. You got to take cutlet. the skin off, of course. You know, you, you ever eat like those at that bogus place and they like don't take Oh, the, that's the worst. That's, yeah. You can't uh, even bite tough. through it. No. Anyway, yeah. Fried eggplant, a couple of layers in the lasagna. Oh, that's oh, really good. Eggplant rollatini. Yeah, yeah. Fry it, roll it up with some whatever inside, maybe goat yeah. cheese or something. I'm kind of was hoping for something really simple. Like I like, I like, I'll never make the eggplant roll. Uh, um, uh, lasagna. Yeah, it's too much. All right. For me, like for me, it's just like roasted chicken thighs and like a, yeah. asparagus or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Simple as I'm that. I'm always just thinking like, what can I make that I'll get? Well, because I had four kids, so if Laura wasn't around, and I had you know like. She was somewhere last week, and I was cooking for Walter and Olivia, and I was, like, pulling my recipes out. But she usually sets yeah. me up. She was at, I think she went to Las Vegas last week. She had to go for business. So you know what I love? Um, but it, uh, macaroni with white beans and escarole. I've never had it. It's good. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> it's, it can't get any simpler. That sounds good. You I ever like, make beans from, from dry beans? No. Okay, we'll have to talk then. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Next week we have another guest. We got Brian from RT Machinery. All right, take care, everybody. See you guys. As always, Rob and I, thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. If you want to help support the podcast, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can join our Patreon or you can use one of our affiliate links in the podcast description for vesting finishes. Um, again, we appreciate your support. Thanks for tuning in.